Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Business Leaders Radio. Now, here's your host, John Ray. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Business Leaders Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, I've been looking forward to this one. This is going to be fun and informative. Susan Otten is with us. And Susan is with Indie Do Good. And Susan went on a long walk. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Susan, welcome back to Business Radio X. We're glad to have you back. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was just a walk in the woods. That's right. Unfortunately, that one's already taken, but it applies to you, right? So before we get started on talking about that walk, let's talk about you and Indie Do Good and how you're serving folks out there with your company. Okay, great. Yeah. So Indie Do Good is a non-traditional logistics company. And actually it dawned on me a few weeks ago that I started my 15-year with year career with Apple Computer early in earlier in my career, a lot earlier in my career, mm-hmm. at a warehouse. And so it's like I've gone full circle and now have stood up a logistics company that is non-traditional because it's women-owned, but not just in name. It's women-led. Majority of our employees are women, and the majority of our clients are women, though we love the guys too. So we we call ourselves non-traditional because we work a little bit outside the box, pardon the pun. The We support our clients in pretty much any way that they need help in the world of logistics shipping. We, of course, do the traditional warehousing, storage, moving freight, and things like that, LTL, less than truckload, and then direct-to-consumer fulfillment as well. So doing both B2B and B2C. But we like to help entrepreneurs that are doing good. So we challenge them. Everybody's got a passion. Everybody can help their community. And so we really look for companies that have a strong do-good. And we are thrilled that all of our clients have either come to us that way or thought about it when we've challenged them and consider ways that they can help their communities. Everybody's got a passion. Everybody's got something they believe in. And to put some of their business power behind that is, is really, I think, the way community and business should be working. And so we have companies like, just do a shout out to Hippie Feet, which is based here in Minneapolis. Their passion is the homeless. They used to employ homeless youth to do their logistics. And a couple of weeks before Christmas, a couple of years ago, founder Michael Matter called out and said, we're going to, we need some help. I think we're going to miss our Christmas because it's really cold and the kids can't get into work. They got to find shelter. And so mm. we took over the logistics, saved the Christmas for them. And Hippie Feet now chokes me up, gives 55 wow. percent of their profits percent of their profits to support three nonprofits in the community that support the homeless. And Michael being so smart says, hey, we know how to design really cool socks that are made from recycled t-shirts. We don't know how to manage homeless youth. Let the professionals do that. We're going to do what we do well. And you guys do what you do well. And then the homeless will get supported by organizations to know how to do that well. So that's a great example of leaning into your core competency. And by doing that uh, through your business, you can help communities or 
initiatives that you're passionate about. Indie Do Good supports companies like that. We also, besides logistics, for our clients to help them grow on the front end, we'll do engineering, help them design a consumer product that they've identified a problem that needs to be solved in the market, but they may not be experienced engineers or be able to stand up their manufacturing efficiently with manu- get their products made through manufacturing efficiently. There's also this amazing engineering term that I just love and I laugh every time I hear it or say it. Delightful oxymoron called cost improvement. And it just it makes my kind of head do a Scooby-Doo. And yeah, I double clutched on that one myself when you said it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we work to take cost out of the development of the product too. And over mm-hmm. the life of the production of the product, that's going to save a lot of money, especially for an early stage entrepreneur and then helping them get set up. And then we do marketing too. So again, we're not an agency, but we will help our clients make sure we understand who their target market is, which is really the first thing you do for marketing, understand their goals. And then what we do that's a little bit non-traditional is understand their budget, because how can we achieve those goals in the most cost-effective manner? And maybe we have to chop it up into smaller campaigns and stuff, but we'll work with a client to ensure that they are being successful because if they're successful, we're successful and the community wins too. We also do things like kidding, light assembly. We've done, there's a thing on Good Morning America called deals and steals where you have to commit to having the inventory and offering it at a lower price. We've done some of those for our clients and get 10,000 orders out in a couple of days. So we'll do stuff like that. That's a little abnormal crowdfunding campaign, stuff like that. Cool. So, So you're a good fit for purpose oriented businesses that really need want to leverage their capabilities, right? Because they can essentially outsource the things like you, the example you gave was wonderful. The things they don't do well, so they can make their contribution to that purpose even bigger. And I guess I would challenge the thinking a little bit on, on purpose-driven organizations. I think it's any organization, any company that, that produces a widget. We also do shelf-stable food because it's not just the social impact companies that may need logistics help, and it may not be only social impact companies that can do good. That's right. a challenge in that. So, yeah. And we also, another thing we do this fun is we give every client an easy button and we want them to think of us as their easy button. Mm, so that's it. a visual remind a reminder that if you got a problem that you're having, you're struggling solving, let us know. Maybe we can help you. Maybe we can do it. But if not, we probably know somebody who can because we're pretty connected. I and my husband both have been in business for literally decades. Yeah, we're old, but we're pretty resourceful when it comes to that. And what's that saying? It's not who, what, it's who you know. And hey, yeah. I know a lot of people. Yeah. You're seasoned. That's a better yeah. word, Susan. Yeah. yeah. You could help folks that need more seasoning. So that's right. such wonderful work. So thank you for yeah. that work. And just one last thing. I also yeah. challenge companies that that aren't outsourcing their logistics whether they're small and just starting out and they're like, oh, I can do that in front of the TV with my kids at night. I can stick labels on boxes and pack them up, tape them up. Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. But is that what you should be doing? Is that the best Mm -hmm. thing you can do for your company, your family, yourself, your own well-being? And leave it to the pros. And I always challenge 
entrepreneurs, it's like, is real is really ship in a box your core competency? Isn't there something else you could be doing better? Not only you, but your team, because that's yeah. expensive. And with a logistics company like ours, we're consolidating, we're aggregating the clients that we have. So we're getting better prices on shipping rates and packing materials and all that. So arguably, we can not only do it better, faster, cheaper, it's one of those rare occurrences where you can get all three, but the it also, I always tell the companies that I'm talking to that you're actually buying time. Put mm-hmm. those people that would be shipping boxes to work doing something else. You should mm-hmm. be doing something else. You could be doing something else that will move your company forward faster. Now, let that's let us us pros handle that. And we've negotiated rates. We buy boxes in a lot bigger quantity than what you ever would on your own, just by nature of the business. So, yeah, that's compelling. For sure. And I love your challenge that this is more than just purpose-oriented, quote-unquote, yeah. purpose-oriented company. So thank you for that challenge. Yeah. You're exactly right. I'm totally with you on that. Now, you decided to go on a walk. So let's talk about that walk. Let's talk about the passion for Parkinson's disease research. Just t- t- talk about how this got started and what you and your daughter decided to do. Okay. So from July 15th, 22 to December 21st, 22, we, my daughter and I, my daughter's 27 years old and six foot tall, and I'm not, (laughs) Uh, we decided to hike the Appalachian Trail, which for a lot of people here in in Minnesota don't even know what that is. In fact, I had never, I had heard of it because we lived in Georgia and that's where it terminates. So Mm. we went 2,194.3 miles hiking with everything we needed on our backs for 154 days from Maine to Georgia. Mm. And it's not a walk in the park. It's not a walk in the woods even after that famous movie, but it's, it's very challenging. The, to give you an idea, it's like going up and down Mount Everest. Oh gosh, I forgot the data, the data point. I think 60 times. I have to look that number up, but I believe it's, yeah, the elevation gains. And I didn't realize this, but there's a whole ridge of mountains on, on the Eastern side of the country, a little bit ways inland, but the Appalachian trail goes along that whole ridge of mountains. So it includes the Blue Ridge mountains, the Shenandoahs, the Smokies, the Adirondacks. It's just, they name them different as you go through different regions, but it's one big mountain range. And it's rare that you can and we did a fair amount of this. You climb up and then you do what's called a ridge walk. And that was lovely because you are you don't have to go up and down and up and down and up and down. But mm-hmm. that was rare. So mostly we were going up and down and up and down and up. <laughs> yeah. Parkinson's disease. Yeah. Why is that cause? So why are you and your daughter so passionate about that cause? Let's talk about that first. Yeah. Parkinson's disease has affected our family. Like it has, there's about... 10 million people in the world that are affected by it. And every one of those people that are affected by it has family or friends that are also affected. Caregivers take a, take a big hit on supporting their loved ones. But my husband, Greta's dad, was diagnosed in his early 50s in 2010. So we've lived with this disease for a fair number of years. He's doing great, but he's got a, a right now, uncurable terminal condition. Mm. and that's rocked our family. He, it's a cognitive disorder, 
a movement disorder. It's and probably the most famous person with Parkinson's disease is Michael J. Fox. And we did our walk to support Michael J. Fox Foundation's efforts for research. They take a what they call a, a safe risk-taking approach. So they are working hard and fast to find a cure. Mm-hmm. And Michael J. Fox was diagnosed when he was 29 years old. And a famous actor really has done so much. In fact, the, the Academy Awards gave him a humanitarian Oscar for the efforts that he and his organization have done. And if you haven't watched it, there's a new documentary out I and our daughter got to go to New York for the fundraisers gala in April, and it was aired there for the first time. And so we all got to see it. It's very powerful. It's very uplifting. It's very encouraging. But we haven't found a cure yet. So we've gotten closer, but we're not there yet. They announced at the gala in April that a biomarker has been identified. So something in the bodies of people with Parkinson's, even before diagnosis, or symptoms present themselves that you can test for this. We don't know what causes it. We d- therefore we don't know what cures it. But there is a correlation. Men get it more than women, about two to one, even more mm-hmm. than that. And then there's a fair number of veterans that get it. And the theory there is exposure to chemicals. We decided to do the hike. It was Greta's idea. She is played two sports in college at the D1 level. So she is an Uber athlete. She's done she before we did the hike, she's she had done marathons to raise money for research. She did an Ironman, oh. did the Madison, the Wisconsin Ironman, which is the hilliest bike course in the lower 48 for any Ironman. So she did great at that. Beat her estimated time of, get this, 14 hours is what she thought she could finish it in. 14, one, four, mm. just crazy. Um, yeah. And and she finished it in less than that, 13 hours, 50, I think 54 minutes. Somewhere. Wow. And uh, she, yeah. she does not start small, does she? Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And she had to defer um, a couple of marathons because of school. She's an emergency veterinarian in her internship and then the hike. So this year it's use it or lose it. She's, she's going to run both the Chicago Marathon and the New York City Marathon, New York, both with Team Fox from the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing, those two races are about three weeks apart. And she's an emergency vet working 12 to 14 hour shifts. So I don't know when the heck she's training, but that's okay. She probably just step out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So it was her idea to do the trail because like I mentioned, we lived in Georgia about an hour from the terminus, the Southern terminus. And Mm -hmm. we had the opportunity to do a little bit of hiking along those trails back when we lived there. But it's, so we knew about it and she hiked it more than I did. And she wanted to do something that was bigger that would get people's attention, that would help mm. us raise more money. I think I think for her Ironman, she raised just shy of $7,000. So she's been making some decent money, but we wanted to go big. And she has a best friend that was also a veterinarian in school that she asked to go along with her because they, every summer break from undergrad on, they have gone hiking. So they are hikers. And I usually will go out and do a day or one hike with them or something like that for Mm -hmm. wherever they're at, but they are hikers. And, but her sweet friend 
wasn't able to do it because I don't know if vet school's probably more expensive than medical school. I believe that's a true statistic. And and Greta deferred her start date by six months by doing this, but her friend had to start had to get a job gotcha. and start paying off the giant school debt. So I was concerned about her doing the trail by herself. Only about 20 to 30% of the hikers, the through hikers that go the whole distance are women. So there's a lot of guys out there. You hear a few horror stories, which we bumped into a couple of those. So we know they're true. But Mm. in general, the community along the trail is amazing. Yeah. So this you started at when did you start and how long did it take you? Okay, so we started July 15th, which is a really late start. Okay. But Greta had to finish her internship out in Denver. Right. And so that was the soonest she finished her internship, moved back home, get a right. job, and then accept an offer and say, okay, that was July, beginning of July. I'll see you in February. She deferred her start date. And, uh, and then it was, we were away from home five months and almost two weeks about just say five and a half months. That's easy to remember. And then we finished December 21st. Our goal was always to be back home in Minnesota for Christmas with family. And we were on trail 154 days. And we know that because we did, we have 96 YouTube videos out there in a channel. You can go to YouTube and search for Appalachian trail for Parkinson's disease and find us. And Every day when we were recording, we'd say, good morning, it's day number such and such. And that became uh, gotcha. kind of our signature. And so we counted the days. We usually publish two days together. People have told us they quit watching TV and started watching the trail videos with their kids or with their families. We we're kind of goofy, a little bit funny. There was also some tears involved, some blood. So literally blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of laughter. Yeah, that's wonderful, Susan. Now you, so this explains why you started in Maine, because you started there because it's the summer there, and you didn't want to end up in Maine in December. (laughs) So that makes sense. But talk talk about, I know you can't compress a 154-day trek into one, one or two stories, but tell a story or two about, something that happened on the trail that is really encapsulates your experience. And then then we're going to get into some business lessons out of your experience. Yeah. We do have a video. One of the last ones is the whole trail in 56 minutes. So (laughs) it's funny, but yeah, the lessons along the trail were amazing. The experiences, we were building memories that will last a lifetime. My daughter gave me for a Christmas gift when we got home Remember, we got home on the 22nd and mm-hmm. celebrated Christmas with our family. And she had gotten all the f- pictures made had and bought a scrapbook. The scrapbook ended up being about six inches thick of all the pictures that she had made copies of for the trail. But uh, let's see, there was a couple of themes. One was they talk about you developing your trail legs. <laughs> and in Minnesota, there's no way you can train for hiking the trail. We're too flat. We have too many lakes with, and not 
unless you go up north, but I needed to train. You develop your trail legs. I would walk up and down the ditches along the road to try to get some glute work. And it just, it, the only way you can really train for the trail is do the trail. Mm. So at the beginning though, I certainly did not have my trail legs, nor my trail arms or abs or brain or reaction time. <laughs> Anything. And, uh, nothing. Yeah. And yeah. I was falling a lot. I, there's no way I can describe when people are like, oh my gosh, you're such a klutz. Yes, that's true. But the terrain is ridiculous. Mm. There's rocks and roots. Pennsylvania is renamed Rocksylvania. And I did take, I took two serious ER visit incurring falls. Mm. One was on day 18. And that was, I tripped on a root, hit my head on another root and above my eye got nine stitches. But they healed quite, it healed quite nicely. That's what fresh air and sunshine and exercise would do for you. Then in Pennsylvania, I don't know what day it was, but Pennsylvania is almost halfway through, probably a third. And in Pennsylvania, there's sections of it, large sections. Most of the state is this way. You can't put your foot down without, I could not. I could not put my foot down without consciously determining where I was going to put my foot before and testing it before I lifted my other foot up because you are walking across the tops of sharp pointy rocks. They call them shark fins. They just stand up. They say, there's a joke. They say they send the Boy Scouts out to sharpen the rocks in Pennsylvania when they have to go earn their merit badges. There's a rock sharpening merit badge. But one time there, I knew I was going down I didn't want my face shredded or my teeth knocked out. So I did a tuck and roll as tight as I could. And it ended up with 10 staples across the top of my head. And both times we had to walk out. We weren't, you're rarely doing road crossings. This is a God thing. This is one of many God things that happened along the trail. For this first one, we were three and a half miles. That wasn't too bad because we we were able to, another God thing, Two, two men appeared. We hadn't seen anybody all day. It was 1.30 in the afternoon. And the one said to the other, as soon as they got up to me, they're like, oh my goodness, Joe, grab those stereo stitch in my backpack where I have them left over from when I fell last week. And mm. let's get this closed up. And then I had a buff, a tight to keep the sweat out of my eyes. In this case, it was keeping the blood out of my eyes. So mm. that wasn't too bad. But the 10 staples across the top of my head, that incision, that that wound, I should say, I'd walk a mile and a half and no stary steps, strips. I tried the buff, but it didn't put around my head like a, I don't know what, like a cap mm-hmm. under my chin. That didn't stop the blood from flowing. So I had to walk with my hand on top of the buff on top of my head for a mile and a half while walking on crazy, sharp, pointy rocks to oh, get to boy. the trail, to get a ride to the ER. And oh. yeah, so that right. one was tough. And after that one, Greta and I, (laughs) prompted by Greta, had a serious conversation about, should I really continue? And I was determined to not bail. I didn't have a concussion either time. The second one, the Greta asked the guy that stitched me up, the vet, the vet. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a puppy. The physician that stapled me up, which is a really weird feeling. It is a staple gun that they're going across the top of your head. It's weird. And then having them pulled out, by Greta, the vet with a staple puller, the guy gave him. That was weird too. But it's, I'll get a helmet. 
It was Ron's idea, my husband, my husband's idea to get a helmet. He wanted me to, because we're a hockey family, to get a hockey helmet with a full metal cage, mm-hmm. face mask. And mm-hmm. I did go to a Dick's Sporting Goods and try one on. They're stinking heavy. I have new respect for hockey players because those helmets are heavy. And the metal cage added more weight. So I didn't go that way. I went with a BMX helmet. But you can see dents in it where it protected me from, I think, further injuries. So that that's one story. Wow. Um, and it just, yeah. I guess the other story, it's an aggregate. We had 25 perfect strangers that we had never met. They were following along on our YouTube videos, could figure out where we were. We usually lag the videos a little bit for safety reasons in case anybody was stalking us. And, but they could figure it out. They would watch the weather patterns and message us either on the YouTube channel or Facebook or let's see, Reddit. I did Facebook, Reddit did Instagram and say, hey, we're going to pick you up at this road crossing. We're going to take you to our house. We're going to give you a warm bed, a hot shower, do your laundry and feed you a good meal bring you back out on 12 the next day. And 25 people did that. And they're called trail angels. And I didn't even know they existed before I hiked the trail. Mm. And I truly believe that they were lifesaving. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. I just, in the stories you have told, I can think of a few already, but let's talk about the business lessons that come out of this for you that you talk about in your in the talks that you give and and in the business owners that you've talked to since yeah i love things in threes and so i i was thinking about it you have a lot of time to think on the trail which Mm -hmm. is one of the blessings of it people say doesn't it get boring it's man your mind is just running there's you when do you have time like that to think about things really deeply have good conversations when you can hear each other on the trail. Sometimes, I don't know, in the fall, it gave me a headache. The leaves were so noisy that we were walking through. We could not carry on conversations. But anyway, the three big lessons that I came up with on the trail were tools, training, and team. Mm. And they apply to the trail. And I think when I describe it, people will understand how it applies to business. So the first is tools. You don't just grab your school book bag and head out to hike the trail. Greta giving her all the credit, 100% of the credit for a ton of stuff along the trail. She was not only the creative director and the videographer, she was the logistics planner, the communications expert, could not have done it without her either. She could definitely have done it without me. <laughs> so I was a boat anchor. But, but I did add some kind of interesting dimension to our story. But she did a ton of research I went out to where she was doing her internship in Denver. We did a test hike out there. Mm -hmm. We spent three days. One of the three days was almost the whole day with the wonderful staff at the largest REI in the country in Denver. Greta had already researched stuff. She had the list of stuff we needed. She... We talked with the folks there. A couple of people especially were helping us during the day. We'd go home. We'd think about it. We'd check stuff online. We'd go back into REI. and So just total shout out to the support we got. But you really need the right tools. We needed the right shoes. We needed the right backpacks. In fact, I returned my backpack. I went into the REI here in Minnesota to get the one I settled on fitted the right way. 
you're carrying, I think at, at the beginning, we were stupid. Yes. We started out with 40 pounds, 42 pounds in our backpack. I think toward the end, we were down to under 27 pounds. Oh, wow. You really, we didn't need that much stuff at the beginning. We sent two boxes of stuff home. Um, We sent, uh, we had a backup battery pack. We had, we kept one battery pack. We sent the other one home. They're really heavy. Toward the end, we had one set of clothes sent home the pajamas. We're not changing into shorts and t-shirts at night. We slept Mm -hmm. in our clothes that we walked during the day with. It, It was getting too cold. So anyway, we, you got to have the right tools. Then we tested those tools to make sure that they were right. Get threw away or recycled or sold some of the duds that we didn't need and tested it again, did another little hike here in Minnesota before we left. So that was really important. And in same in business, if you don't have the right technology, you're not giving your folks the right stuff they need to do their job, it's not going to work. It might work in our case. We got tired carrying that 40-pound pack around. It's not needed. We needed the right pack. We needed light stuff. There's certainly ways we could have gone tons lighter, but there's a cost to that, <laughs> too. The ultra-light stuff is expensive. But Sure. So- one, one thing I'm hearing there, Susan, is you is not just getting the right tools, but streamlining and not being afraid to get rid of, of things that are extraneous, because yeah. I, particularly in technology, I've bring this up because you mentioned technology, we can be as business owners uh, entranced by the shiny new object syndrome, right? And we see all these new tools that come out and we add those things and suddenly the backpack's too full if you use your analogy. Yes, definitely. And I think it's great to try things. We tried a lot of stuff and it doesn't mean that because you bought it, you have to use it. REI also has an amazing return policy. I just can't say enough about that that support that they gave us. And you don't need to, just because you bought it or you launch something at your business or you have your employees try it, doesn't mean you have to stick with it. Pride is not important in this case. Being right is not important. Being safe and equipped and being able to do the job is what's important. So really having the right tools and testing it, like in our case, I would translate it to businesses doing a beta test. Get a small group of people. Don't pick your best people. Don't pick your professional hikers. Pick people that that are a spectrum, that are in different roles, different levels of experience, because you want to be able to have everybody be successful using the right tools. And then right into that is the training. You could buy the best tools, but if you don't know how to use them, Mm. they're a boat anchor, right? And so the training not only the physical training, which I mentioned was pretty hard to do, for us, it was mental training too. It, I would say the Appalachian Trail, if you're through hiking, it is a harder mental exercise than a physical exercise, which is hard to believe, but it's hard. Greta and I, we developed our relationship along the trail, but also she had been away to undergrad for four years, vet school for four years, an internship for a year, and hadn't even lived at home during that time excuse me, we had to set boundaries and rules and stuff like that to make it as enjoyable as possible. And I, you could tell, man, middle of the afternoon, late afternoon, when you're tired physically and you're ty- exhausted mentally, things would just go downhill fast. My fall rate would increase. Our evil words would increase. Our distance between each other so we could get some space increased. <laughs> so the training is really important. Know how to use the tools that you've invested in. Know how to 
know how to communicate. Training ourselves even how to communicate effectively on the trail is important. And same in your teams. If you've got the best tool and the best training, but nobody's talking to each other to share that knowledge or share the successes, that's really hard. And it's a waste of a really valuable resource. And then the one that really is save the best for last is team. Yeah. Yeah. I've mentioned our trail angels. I mentioned Greta. I could not have done the trail without both of them. We also had a huge support team at home. We got Ron engaged in the videos. There's one thing we regret that we haven't had the chance. We probably won't take the time. But Ron did a joke of the day at the end of every video. Oh, oh, Ron. The the crazy kind of goofy dad jokes, those were the jokes he picked. And our dog would help him tell the jokes. Our son would help him tell the jokes. He, it, But every video, he did a joke. And that was great. And it, it made us laugh. He'd send us, here's the video of the joke and retake, do it again. So he was involved and that was great. And man, 154 days, it's hard to come up with 154 dad jokes. That was hard work too. Greta helped him out a little bit toward the end. How about this one? How about this one? So that was good. And then our son and and daughter in love were here to support Ron, help him. Our dog has grandparents, friends, older friends from church that cooked for Ron, had him over for Mm -hmm. supper, checked in on him and stuff like that. We had the trail angels that were just amazing, not only the ones that took us in our home, but the ones that would meet us on trail. And do you need anything? Or they text us ahead of time. Hey, we're going to run to the store. Can we bring you anything? Which would save time. It's It was time consuming to go into town when we had to resupply. And we mm-hmm. wanted to go in town frequently because then we weren't carrying as much food and the food is heavy. If we could plan that and have a communication a couple of days before we were running out of food and we could meet up with them without losing a lot of time. We would do that. One, the last night that we camped out, this sweet family of five that had attempted the a through hike of the trail the same year we did it. They met us. They picked up our packs the day before. They picked up my pack. I don't know if they took Greta's. I had really bad IT issues toward the end where it was making it really hard for me to carry extra weight. And But they set up our tent, had a home-cooked meal going in the Instapot, but they had a fire built and we cooked s'mores over the fire. They camped out that night. No, maybe they went home. One of the boys had a stress fracture and wasn't able to complete the trail. So the dad and the boy are finishing the trail that that they missed last year. But it was just so nice. It was so great. And the night before, to, to we had a big day we had to do. The day before, I think we did 20... 27 miles and something the day before so that we didn't, so we only had 10 miles to do the final day or nine. So we could get to the end when it wasn't too late and greet our cheering fans. And most of all, Ron flew down to Georgia to greet us at the end. So that was great. But just the people, the encouragement, the comments, you cannot believe the kind word, what that meant to us. And I think it's the same in business. And in strength finders, I don't have a single check mark in the relationship category. I'm very task, I'm very strategic, I'm very driven, but I have to really work hard to, as a leader of a company, to lean on the importance of relationship. Like when I start an email, I consciously Hi, how's it going? How's your morning? What's going on? Something. Mm-hmm. Just dive right in. Can you do this? Why is this broken? Why Why didn't we close that deal? Blah, blah, blah. 
especially if you're asking somebody to do something. We have a little thing in our company where if there's an action required, we start the email subject with action, all caps. So they rise, you can see those, but you still can be nice in the action ones. Make sure you're giving them all the tools they need, all the information they need to do the task. So the just, and that kind of ladders back into team. It's so important to have a team and a culture. Like I have to give all credit to our warehouse supervisor at Indie Do Good and the warehouse manager or director of logistics that, that has built an unbelievable culture. And mm. logistics is hard work and it's extremely competitive and the prices keep going up and keep changing. And it's, and our director does an amazing job with our clients and giving them information and helping them and coaching them along and things that they could do better that would save money or time or increase their customer delight. And then our warehouse supervisor, I think he speaks eight languages. We speak at least three languages in the warehouse. He does fun things like employee of the month, which isn't unheard of. But one of our employees had a baby and the baby was an employee of the month this month. He thinks about stuff like that. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He put up a big whiteboard, thoughts of the day, encouraged people to write their favorite sayings on there. Another Mm -hmm. whiteboard has got pictures of bringing pictures of your family or your sporting events or a fun activity you did or Mm -hmm. something like that. We are truly family, not Mm -hmm. not employee, employer. We play fun music. People get to pick what radio station we listen to and it changes every while. It's just, there's, it's hard work. You're on your feet all day. It's physical. Yet we have to go to employees and say, you have not taken a day off a long time. You need, we need you to be at your best. You right. are doing a great job. Don't get the wrong impression here, but you deserve a, a day off. Your family deserves to see you. Go take a day off or two or three. We're fine here. We'll be okay without you. Go restart, recharge, rejuvenate, and come back even better. I think that's pretty telling if your PTO is not being used up at the end of the year. You can check with your HR people and see how that's going. I think that's a really easy metric to review. So you have a great culture. Man, people want to be there. They want to come. They miss not going into work. They miss seeing their friends, things like that. Tools, training, and team. I love those that thinking in threes that way and making it easy to remember. That's really terrific. Now, so as we wind down here, Susan, you are available for talks and learnings for business groups, what have you, that that would like to hear more about some of the things we've talked about. But we we want to help get you over the top of a particular fundraising goal. So let's talk about what that's all about and where folks can connect. Okay. Yeah. When we started out, Greta thought a $10,000 would be a huge goal. And we talked about it and I'm like, no, this is a big thing. It's going on for a long time. We're going to do videos. We have the power of social media. I claim to be a marketing person. Let's see if we can do better than 10. Let's set the goal for 50. Mm. And so Greta was like, oh my, oh my. She's <laughs> she like, thought you'd the- fallen and hit your head on a rock. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was before I hit my head. Yeah. Um, and she said, okay, taking the positive attitude, shoot for the moon, land among the stars, is what she always says. There you is, go. And so we'll do that. Before we were even done with the trail, we'd achieved our our $50,000 goal. We did a couple of fun things. We did a, a birthday competition because Greta turned 27. I turned 66 on the trail. She mm. said to her followers, or we, she said, hey, we're going to have, I want a penny for every mile, $22, $21.94. 
Mm. And she raised about $4,500 from that. When my birthday came, I'm like, okay, peeps, we can do better. I'm 66. I want a buck for every trip around the sun. I want $66 donations. And I raised almost $10,000 with that Ah, initiative because we set it up as a competition. We even had a fun Mm. picture of us fighting and with she photoshopped birthday hats on and balloons and stuff like that. So then when we finished, you know, we were invited to the Michael J. Fox Foundation's fundraiser gala and we got rookies of the year. Not only at that point, I think we'd raised 70, a little over $70,000, but it was also the exposure and the awareness that we drove around Parkinson's. And remember it took us 154 days the number one fundraiser who's been doing this event for 15 years raised over a million and a half dollars in a one day event. I'm like, man, I'm doing something wrong. I can't even 154 days and I can't even hit a hundred thousand, but they do a bike event and they have a long distance and a kid's bike ride and all this fun stuff. And they've really figured out how to do it. So what we're trying to do now is we're almost $93,000. I really would love to get to that hundred thousand dollar goal the link to donate is in our YouTube channel description or comments, whatever it's called. Yeah. And we're going to have it folks on the show notes. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you're driving along, don't run off the road <laughs> just, as you're listening to this, or if you're hiking on the trail and listening so, to this, show, yeah, don't hit your head. Which, which we've got some hikers that listen to our shows on their phones. Hey, when you get back to a safe spot, you'll be able to find it on the show page. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think it doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be something. Share this podcast with your friends, your business associates, if you believe in the cause or if you believe you learned anything from this. I think I'm going to put a post out on Facebook that says, hey, just think of how much money you saved by not going to movies and buying popcorn just by watching these YouTube videos. Put that money toward helping to find a cure and we'll all be further ahead, except for the movie theater owners, but that's okay. We'll let them deal with that themselves, but (laughs) we got to help some folks that really need help. And you are just doing, you and Greta are just magnificent souls. And we appreciate you so much, Susan. Thank you for taking the time to come on and share your story. And uh, folks, again, we'll have links in the show notes for you to, uh, to give and also, if you want to know more about Susan and Indy Do Good. So, Susan Otten, Indy Do Good, thank you again for joining us. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, and folks, just a quick reminder if you would like to email me directly, feel free, J Ray, J R A Y at Business Radio X. Dot com. We love feedback on our show. So, if you, you want to do that and get in touch, please. For my guest, Susan Naughton, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Business Leaders Radio. 